Well, hey everybody. Hey. Hey. Hi. Joe. How's it going? Awesome. I'm Joe. <laughs> I love my hat and t-ball so everybody wouldn't forget when I was a kid. Didn't get made fun of for that at all. Um, you can turn to Acts chapter 21. We'll continue on where Rory left off. And uh, just kind of a, like an exciting but scary uh, a time in, in Paul's you know, third missionary journey that's, that's um, as far as the maybe him going out is, is kind of coming to an end, but him being used isn't. And it's, it's an interesting dynamic because, you know, he's going he's gonna to come into Jerusalem where Rory taught last week where they, the um, uh, prophet Agabus said, you know, you're gonna, whoever owns this belt is going to be bound. And so all of his friends and everybody around him were thinking like, that means don't go. Don't go to Jerusalem. You're, you know, it's a bad idea. And, you know, Paul just was listening to the Holy Spirit and he just felt led, you know, and um, just trusted that the Lord would have him just go ahead and go to Jerusalem, even though he knew what was coming. You know, there's no doubt he trusted uh, what Agabus was saying. But at the same time, he just he just believed for sure what Jesus was constantly telling the disciples. If you live for me. You know, these hard things were going to come and, and you've got to die to me, not just um, some, you definitely have to, you have to die for me and die, die just your, your fleshly heart, your, just die in your flesh and live for Jesus. But also there, there's times where you might literally die for, for Jesus. And I just say a lot to say that, man, as we go through this, just be thinking and, and you'll be hearing because it's just kind of, we're going to cover a lot of ground, but it's just this story in the Bible, but it's not just a story because it just goes right along with what Jesus went through. And just as we've been through the book of Acts, it's been being filled with the Holy Spirit and being continually filled. And we see all last week how Paul trusted the Holy Spirit was telling him to go. And um, he just, he stayed true to that all the way through to going to Jerusalem here. And so, um, man, he just, he trusted it, he believed it, and he was ready to, at any cost, just be a follower of Jesus and live by the word of God. And so let's get into it. Uh, We'll start in verse 15. And after those days, we packed and went up to Jerusalem. And again, if you remember the map from last week, where it says we went up to Jerusalem, you know, geographically, it's actually south. It's down. And, um, but they would say, you know, um, or topographically, you would say up because the elevation, it was up. But also, anybody that was going to, to Jerusalem, like spiritually, like you were moving up. You were going up, being in Jerusalem. So it was also another way that, you know, to say that they were, they were going up to Jerusalem. And also, some of the disciples from Caesarea went with us and brought with them certain Manasin or Mason of Cyprus, an early disciple with whom we were to lodge. And so possibly this guy that they were going to lodge with, you know, he very possibly could have been one of the people at Pentecost in the beginning of Acts where the multitude was saved. It's, you know, it says one of the early disciples. And so that's just interesting. This guy still lives there and... Um, He's, he's been a disciple for a while, and that's who they're going to go and stay with. 
In verse 17 it goes on, And when we had come to Jerusalem, the brethren, brethren received us gladly. So this is where Paul makes it. He finally, he wants to go to Jerusalem. He has a heart and a love for, for the Jews there as, as he was on his missionary journeys in all of these Gentile areas, the Roman areas. What the first thing he'd always do is he would go into the synagogues and he would preach to the Jews and the, um, and, and, uh, the Gentiles that were there that believed in, in the Jewish God as well. And so he made it. But the thing is, is he'll never be here again. He'll never come back to, to Jerusalem. He's on, he's on this journey now, this point where he's going you know, to get thrown in jail and pretty much be in jail from now on until he's... There's a little, little span where he gets let out for a minute, but mostly he's in prison from this point on until he's, until he's killed. And so if we go back a couple chapters in um, chapter 19, where, um, what is it, verse 21 where Paul talks about this, you know, just wanting to be in Jerusalem and going to Jerusalem. And he says, and in, in, um, if you go back to Acts 19, verse 21, it says, when these things were accomplished, Paul proposed in the spirit, when he had passed through Macedonia and Achaia, to go to Jerusalem. Okay, he, was, he wanted to go, he was headed to Jerusalem. He wanted to go to Jerusalem. And then saying, after I have been there, I must also go to Rome, it says. What he didn't know at the time but it ended up, I think, is a pretty awesome deal. Is, um, his trip to Rome, it was going to be in, in chains. And what I mean, it was awesome. It was like, free ride, three hots in a cot, right? Like, <laughs> I just picture it as, like, as this movie's going on in my head of, like, he's got, he, he didn't have to walk anymore. Maybe he had, was like, a wagon and a little donkey pulling it. And, like, he got to sit and ride, maybe, for once, you know. And, and so, so the government paid for the trip. He got to go. But, uh, um Got to go on to Rome like it talked about there in, in 19. But anyways, he, he won't be back, you guys. This is it. And so, in verse 18, on the following day, Paul went in, went in with us to James. And notice it says he went into James there. It's interesting. And all the elders were present. When he had greeted them, he told in detail those things which God had done among the Gentiles through his ministry. And so I say it's interesting that he, um, that they, they went in here to Jerusalem and they go into, um, in, into the elders and everybody, and the, but it says there that he went in with us to James, you know, and so, and some religions taught like Peter was the head of the first church in that, and we, we, seen, we saw in chapter, I think it was 15 of Acts, where James was the front man and was leading the church, and here it's like starting out where they, he goes in to talk to James and these other elders, you know, and so it just kind of takes, just as you go through scripture, it takes a little more emphasis off, off of Peter, which Peter's a great disciple. Don't hear that, like, there wasn't good things of him, but this idea that Peter is someone that we should worship as much as God, right? It's, it's just not, it's not the case. And it's just little blips as we go through there, we see some of that. But anyways, the other interesting part of that is that James, this is the half-brother of Jesus, Okay, so it's kind of interesting because it's like staying in the family business, right? Of discipling people and leading people to, um, to Jesus. And, and it's not, we know that it's not uh, James, the brother of John, because he's already been beheaded and, and he, was, he was killed. And so it's just good there when he says that 
He tells them in great detail of all the stuff that was had been going on on all these trips and how the Gentiles are being saved and, and just how amazing it is. And, it, you know, it says very clearly, it was like through the ministry, you know, God had done these things. And it goes on in verse 20 and says, And when they heard it, they glorified the Lord. And they said to him, You see, brother, how many myrids, myrids of Jews there are who believed and they are all zealous for the law. Okay, this, this third missionary trip, a lot of these Jews they're talking about, they're so zealous. They're saying zealous for the law, but these, there's thousands of these Jews that believe in Christ now. And it's this third missionary trip. Like a lot of these Jews that believe in that is because you can just assume and because of all of the missionary work that God did through Paul talking to them. And it's also important to keep that in your mind because it's, we're going to get into a little dilemma here of, of the, the Jews and their, and their being zealous for the law and just kind of some accusations against Paul um, in those things. But nonetheless, Paul did a lot of the, God did a lot of that work through Paul. That, that mirrors just means like multitudes and thousands and lots of people, lots of Jews that would, would be followers of Jesus as well. But they were zealous for the law. And so there's always where it's good and all these good things, there's, there's always seems to be a but. And it's right there in verse 21 where it says, But they had been informed about you that you teach all the Jews who are among the Gentiles to forsake Moses, Moses saying that they are, ought not to circumcise their children nor walk according to the customs. It's the hard part. Like there's always a but. You did good, but. And it's kind of interesting too. It's almost like when, and not so much that Paul is getting um, corrected in this part, but like when you correct somebody, you know, it's always good to start out with like the positive things about them, right? So he shows up and, and you know, they're just, they're excited that he's there and his disciples and he, Paul tells them what's going on with the Gentiles and they're excited about that and they're praising the Lord for that. And then it's like, so you got all the good stuff there, and then, oh, but now here comes, here comes the nasty stuff or the bad stuff. In verse 22, when, what then? The assembly must certainly meet, for they will hear that you have come. Paul's a big deal. He's, he's known, so they're going to know that he's in town. Therefore, do, you, do what we tell you. We have four men who have taken a vow. Take them, be purified with them, and pay their expenses so that they may shave their heads, and that all may know that those things of which they were informed concerning you are nothing, but that you yourself also walk orderly and keep the law. But concerning the Gentiles who believe, we have written and decided that they should observe no such thing, except that they should keep themselves from things offered to idols, from blood, from blood, from things strangled, and from sexual immorality. Then Paul took the men, and the next day, having them purified, having been purified with them, entered the temple to announce the expiration of the days of purification, at which time an offering should be made for each one of them. Okay, so when I first read this, it was the same kind of dilemma you could get out of last week's teaching of, of, um, of Paul maybe not... God bless you. Paul maybe not um, listening to the people that are warning him about going to Jerusalem. You know, there's like this, like, well, Paul, you're warned. Where are you going? And then you I, you read this part, and it's like, wait a minute, Paul, you're you're gonna like, you're gonna 
bend to the, to the Jewish laws and customs when you're the one that preaches against that? That you tell the Gentiles constantly they don't have to be circumcised? When you read that, it's like, what do you mean, Paul? You're like this super stud of faith where you don't weaken for anything. But there's a lot to learn in this. Because he's, he's, he's doing it to, kind of, to soothe the Jews that have these customs. You know, it's okay that they have these customs as long as, right, Jesus is the way to heaven. Not all of these customs and the laws that they're zealous for. So he understands, he has this understanding and this maturity, I would even say, that, like, it's okay. I don't care if you have these customs. Like, that's great. As long as it does not get in front of, like, Jesus is the way. None of these things. Right? So it's, but it can, as when you first go through, you're like, man, what is going on? What are you doing, Paul? Why are you, why are you conforming to this? But what it really is, is Paul's just going the second mile. Like, he's going the extra distance. He knows he doesn't have to do it, but he's going to do it just to help. Just to, um, just to kind of, yeah, I mean, just to, I think pacify him is a good way to say that. But you see it, and it's, it's really, it's Paul's like, I would almost say like it's Paul's statement of faith or his mission statement, maybe rather. If you look in 1 Corinthians 9, uh, 19. Where is it at here? Yeah, 9.19, where Paul says, For though I am free from all men. Okay, so he's explaining this exact situ- this, this exact idea of what he's doing. So I'm free. I know that I'm free from all men, Paul says. I've made myself a servant to all, that I might win the more. So why is he doing it? Not for himself. Like he's able to, he's able to just like ignore what he maybe even thinks you could say. But he, like he, he's about the people and to win them to Jesus. And it goes on to say, and the Jews, and to the Jews, I became as a Jew, that I might win Jews. And to those who are under the law, as under the law, that I might win those who are under the law. To those who are without law, as without law, not being without law toward God, just saying like, obviously there's, there's a line you got to draw. He's not outside of Christ's law. But, um, but under the law towards Christ, that I might win those who are without the law, the Gentiles. To the weak, I became as weak, that I might, be, I might win the weak. I have become all things to all men. Then I might be, then that I might by all means save some. So we see right there that explains Paul's heart and thought behind it. Like it just, we don't need to be hung up on these traditions we have. It's okay that we have traditions, right? It's okay, but we don't need to be hung up on them. That it would hang us up and think that, and we'll get into seeing this, some different kinds of Jews. They're not the same, but different Jews that are really nasty about things where they, like, it gets even worse. But Paul wants to be the perfect as he can be as a man, as a simple man. But he wants to, he wants to meet everybody on their own ground, at their own um, home base or whatever you would, you would say. He wants, to, he wants to get at their level with them, not level up and down, but level maybe left and right, and be like, you're a Gentile, man. You don't have to do these things. 
you know, Paul's, um, he's a Jew. He's done some of these customs. So he's like, I don't mind doing them. And he's also, I think right here, he's also saying to the, um, the eldership, the elders and in the church here in Jerusalem, he's like, yeah, I'm willing to bend. I'm willing to give. I'll, I'll go do that with these guys doing this purification. But he knew that it wasn't being purified, right? The, what, the purification comes through Jesus and he knows that. And so he does it more really as kind of the same way we do communion. As, as a memorial, okay? And this vow, it was known as the, as it's thought to be known as the Nazarite vow. And so they would go through these things of 30 days of, and I don't know exactly, so I'm not going to try to butcher it here, but some like of, um, that was with, with, with hold the, uh, what do you say? Like abstain? With, with, huh? Abstain? Withhold. Withhold from doing, Doing these uh, these different things for thirty days, and so one thing was they would also they would not get they wouldn't cut their hair, and then after the thirty days was up, they would cut their hair and they go in the temple and do all these burnt offerings and stuff, and that's what comes to of where Paul was just he was doing it um, as a memorial and and just to it was part of the tradition, but he was not doing it in um, the respects that like it meant anything as far as salvation, and so. He knew he had the, he he knew the essentials right and the foundation the same thing we should we should know our and our the essentials and the foundation and we don't waver from that but there's things that we can be flexible on you know there's lots of stuff we can get into that I guess um, but like one of the first things that I think of is like the Trinity we don't we're not going to waver on that we're not going to move on that Jesus is God but what's another thing how about the Rapture post-rapture, pre-rapture. Well, there's a lot of good information that kind of could lead in other, all these ways, but there's not really a hard and fast, like, for sure. So, like, that's one of those things that I believe that I don't think you should be dogmatic about. I think you hope for pre, and you'll, you know, follow Christ if it's post, right? But it's one of those things that you're not, it would be silly to be dogmatic about and hold very tightly, but... So as Christians, we need to know those foundational things and the essentials, and we stand on those and we don't bend. But, like Paul here, can we swallow our pride and maybe listen to leadership and and be flexible and bend to some things that really don't, maybe don't um, matter in 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 the kingdom? Moving on to verse 27. Now when the seven days were almost ended, the Jews from Asia... Okay, so these Jews from Asia, these, this is Asia Minor, up Turkey, where um, Paul's missionary trips went up to, where he sailed to Cyprus, and he sailed north up into um, um, Ephesus and all those areas up there. And you get the picture of, like, these are the same Jews that followed him around as we've been going through Acts, and, like, we're almost just following around to mess with him any synagogue he went to. And so, and, and that's why it points out there, it's these Jews from Asia. So they're all here... Um, in Jerusalem, and, and they see him, and seeing him in the temple, stirring up the whole crowd and laid hands on him, crying out, Men of Israel, help! This is the man who teaches all men everywhere against the people, the law, and this place. And, the further, and furthermore, he also brought Greeks into the temple and has defiled this holy place. And this is good to see that you see this in parentheses here in verse 29. For they had previously seen Trophimus, Trophimus, I don't know how to say that, the Ephesian with him in the city, 
whom they supposed that Paul had brought into the temple. And all the city was disturbed, and the people ran together, seized Paul, and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately the doors were shut. So here's some accusation. These guys are still around. It's pretty crazy because they've been chasing around all over in, um, in Asia Minor. And they're... This fly's going to drive me nuts. <laughs> and so they... Uh, now here they are. It's like they're in a whole other country, a whole other place. And they're at the state fair. And like, here they are again. Like, trying, to, <laughs> trying, to, trying to like mess with Paul. And so... But it makes it very clear here. Like they're just seeing him. They see him in the temple after him coming out of doing um, his purification time. And they get everybody stirred up. Like they, it's the same old cards they've been playing at these other places. And they're like, they're, they're very passionate about it. It says they go crying out, help, men of Israel. And then they list out these things that he's, that he's been doing wrong. The man who teaches old men everywhere against the people and the law. Is that true that Paul taught that? He, it's not true. We just read in 1 Corinthians, right? Where that's, he's, he's just like teaching people in their own environment and in their ways, but um, not in their ways, but he's meeting in them and teaching them about Jesus and that he's, you know, he is the savior and he's the way. And so these guys are doing all, and stirring everything up. And then like, so you can see that if you're, if you're trying to paint this in your mind and get the movie going in your head, you're just seeing them wildly going and they found Paul again and they're, hey, let's wreak havoc with him again. And so they're just thinking up all these things that they know will get the Jews fired up because they're in, they're in the Jewish territory now here in Jerusalem. And so when they say, and furthermore, he also brought the Greeks into the temple and defiled the holy place. Now, this is going to get the Jewish people extremely fired up because they, they have the, these... It's like these rings, right, in the temple. They have the temple, the holy place, and then they have a, a, um, a courtyard outside of that where the, the priests can be. And then they have a courtyard outside of that where it's like the treasury, like where the, the women Jews, can, they can be, you know, and they can't go into the priest where the priests are, the other one. And then outside of that is even a, a much bigger courtyard, and that's where the Gentiles can go. That's where all of us could go and hang out. And so back in the day, it was, um, and I'm going to paraphrase this because I didn't write it down, but there was signs all over this, like as you got closer to the, um, you're on the Gentile courtyard and you're going closer to, say, the treasury part, there'd be these signs that pretty much, again, I'm paraphrasing, it would say, if, if you are not um, a Jewish person from here um, of this belief or this background or heritage, if you cross this line, um, what happens to to you is your own fault, and it'll be death. Like they will kill you if you cross that line. This is another one of their customs that they that they um, enforce. And the interesting thing about that even was was that the this is like the only thing that the Romans were okay with of the the Jewish people taking uh, matters into their own hands in killing someone over going against their laws. As we're gonna see, and we as we go on, like. The Romans, they were wanting to keep order. Like it was constantly like anytime when there was an uproar or something, the, the, the guards are running down there to get it squashed. But it's interesting here with this deal, this is one of the things they allowed the, the Jewish culture to kill people over is they acknowledge as going inside it, passing this point. And so that's why it's such a big deal and it really got people riled. And you can see they're just grasping for straw here, straws here when they say, and furthermore, 
They brought Greeks into the temple and defiled the holy place. And then they say, because they saw earlier at the fair, this triophysist or whoever it is, um, they saw him walking around with Paul because he was one of the disciples that came up with Paul. And so they're just throwing that out there. And so it works, and it gets, it gets them all wound up, and it says the whole city is disturbed, and people ran together, and they seized Paul and dragged him out of the temple, and immediately they closed the doors on the temple, like, lock this down. It's getting crazy and out of control. We're going to have to start killing people for crossing the fence. I'm making some of this up to try to help. Um, the fair thing is in here if you had the right version of Bible. Um, me and Lonnie. Lonnie got me this Bible, by the way. And, um, <laughs> in verse 31, Now as they were seeking to kill him, news came to the commander of the garrison that all Jerusalem, so they're making it's a big deal, that all Jerusalem was in an uproar. He immediately took the soldiers and centurions and ran down to them. And when they had saw the commander and the soldiers, they stopped beating Paul. So Paul's down there. This is how I picture it. Paul's down there and he's already been beat in these other cities. This has already happened like over and over. And he's down there and he's like, the first punch he gets, he's like, Did someone open a window? I feel a draft. <laughs> he's like, this is no big deal. I get it. Well, then it's getting worse and it's getting worse. And, um, but then, like, you got to see here that they also, the, the, um, the Jewish people, they also are scared of the Roman guards. And this proves how serious it is when the Romans would just squash any kind of riots or anything. Because as soon as they show up, the commander comes in, the soldier comes down and what does it say? They stop beating Paul. So it's like, all of a sudden, they're like, oh, we're not doing anything. Paul's sitting there finally, like, bleeding and stuff. Like, oh, no, he, he showed up like this, right? Like, they stop. Verse 33, then the commander came near and took him and commanded him to be bound with two chains. Now, doesn't that sound familiar from last week? That's what Agabus said was going to happen. So he was bound with two chains. And he asked who he was, and he asked who he was and what he had done. And some among the multitude cried one thing and some another. So when he could not ascertain the truth because of the tumult, he commanded him to be taken into the barracks. When he reached the stairs, he had to be carried by the soldiers because of the, violent, the violence of the mob. For the multitude of the people, God bless you, followed after crying out, away with him. Now, doesn't that, that part where he's, for the multitude of the people are following, crying after him, uh, crying out, away with him. Like, you can be sure Paul's, like, I mean, yes, he's been getting pounded and beat up, but I'll bet you it's going through his mind, this thought of, of which he's going to get into the, his, um, his, his testimony here, but where he's just thinking of like, man, he was a part of this against Stephen. Paul was in doing this same thing, leading it, holding the guys, the people's clothes that were, were killing Stephen, consenting to it. And so, like... It's one thing when we, we're, we hear these stories and we just listen to Paul and, and his missionary trips. And then as he goes to jail and his, the Lord still uses him, he continues to write the books of the Bible, of the New Testament. Man, Paul's one that we can really like resonate with and we should really think about. And it's not just a story. This is the guy that he was in like almost every aspect of life when it comes to following Christ on the sinful side, living for self and sin and where that leads him when he's in control versus when Christ is leading his life and in control of his life. 
in verse 37, Then, as Paul was about to be led into the barracks, he said to the commander, May I speak to you? He replied, Can you speak Greek? Are you not the Egyptian who some time ago stirred up the rebellion and led the 4,000 assassins out into the wilderness? And so Paul's, he's, he's beat up. He's getting drug out of there so they can figure out what's going on. They can stop this riot. And he's still about the Lord's business. He's, and, and he's still, excuse me, kind sir. I just want to have a moment to, to speak to you and to speak to the crowd. And so the, the Romans, you know, he's, he's like, what? They, I thought you were this Egyptian guy that stirred up all this trouble. Like, I don't remember how many years it was prior to this, where there was a, a rebellion and these assassins like were pretty much used by the government to go and walk through the crowds and they would kill whoever the governing authorities needed killed, like middle of town. They just act like normal. And, and then they, there was a name for it. It meant like knife or dagger or something. You know that, Rory, of these people? There was an... Uh, I can't think of it. Anyways, they, it was a, just this mob of people. Well, anyways, they kind of, they got in there, the Romans did, and they whipped them and run them out. Well, the leader of this deal got away. So all of this uprise and all this stuff's going on. So the, the Roman leader's like, oh, we know who it is. We've been looking for you. You're the guy that stirred up these, these guys that have been these assassins and, and led this rebellion. And Paul goes on to say um, in 39, I am a Jew from Tarsus in Sicilia, Cilicia, a citizen of no mean city, just meaning um, no insignificant city. So it's a, a city that is known of like, a, a big, good city. Uh, I can't think of the words. Anyways, um, and I implore you, permit me to speak to the people. So Paul's beat up and he's battered and he's like, I just want to. I just want to tell these people about the Lord. And he's just, the Lord is moving in this, and the Lord is moving in the people. Which kind of, as I'm reading this, like, it bums me out. It's like you just see this roller coaster. Of people's hearts, like, or even the Lord getting their attention. Whatever we don't know their hearts, but getting their attention, and then they just go back to, like, this carnal this carnal uproar, this, like, falling in line in this, um, just like a pack of, of wolves that just, like, oh, everybody's doing it, I'm going to do it, type of a deal. And it's just a bummer. And then Paul just still, he just wants to, he's going to speak to him here. And so in verse 40, he says, So when he had given them him permission, Paul stood up on the stairs and motioned with his hand to the people, and when there was a great silence, he spoke to them in the Hebrew language. And, when I, and that's what I'm talking about, where he can, it could go from this crazy mob. And yes, the Roman soldiers kind of got it slowed down for sure. But he goes to speak to the motion to them. And it says a great silence. So like everybody stops and they're wanting to know, hey, whoa, what's, what's going on? And so he has this amazing platform. And so... I'm going to read to you um, out of a commentary of David Guzik's, but it's just this, as we, this part of this teaching today of Paul's desire and the things he's going through, it just, um, how it just parallels and just like looks like the similarities between Jesus and Paul and and how encouraging it is that Paul just was this guy that was diligent for Jesus and, um, and how his life looked like Jesus's, and that's what we're we're about as Christians. It's trying to be little Christ. So I'm just going to read you some similarities. So, like Jesus, Paul traveled 
to Jerusalem with a group of disciples. Like Jesus, Paul had opposition from the hostile Jews who plotted against his life. Like Jesus, Paul made, a re- made or received three su- successive predictions of his coming suffering in Jerusalem, including being handed over to the Gentiles. Like Jesus, Paul had followed followers who tried to discourage him from going to Jerusalem and the fate that awaited him there. Like Jesus, Paul declared his readiness to lay down his life. Paul was determined to compete, complete his missionary uh, ministries and not be defective and not be deflected from it. Like Jesus, Paul oppressed his abandonment to the will of God. Like Jesus, Paul came to Jerusalem to give something. Like Jesus, Paul was unjustly arrested on the basis of false accusations. And like Jesus, Paul alone was arrested, but none of his other companions. Like Jesus, Paul heard the mob crying out, away with him. Like Jesus, the Roman officer handling Paul's case did not know his true identity. And like Jesus, Paul was associated with terrorists by a Roman official. Associated with terrorists. So it's encouraging. Man, Paul, he was an ambassador for for Christ like all the way. You should, you know, that could be that could be encouraging to us, like all the way in, and then being glory, like a, a blessing that he got to be and go through the things that Jesus went through because of it. We're gonna go. It kind of the story doesn't stop. It goes right into the next chapter, which there wasn't really chapters when the Bible was wrote anyway. So, anyways, um, it goes on. You know, so he, so he um, spoke to them in the Hebrew language saying, Brethren and the fathers, hear my defense before you now. He's still like not rattled. He's not mad. He's just like lovingly saying like, Man, brethren and fathers, like hear me. Hear my defense. And in the Greek here, I can't remember. I couldn't say it if I did remember. The Greek word that in, that, in the word defense, what it means is apologetics. So the apologetics aren't, I'm sorry that I'm a Christian. I'm sorry that I believe in Jesus and it offends you. Apologetics are are telling the truth and the faith and the foundation and the defense for Christ. And it goes right into um, his defense, his apologetics is it, we're going to get into here is his um, his testimony. And so we've already read his testimony um, in chapter, no, not five, ten, nine, okay, chapter nine. Um, so we'll just, we'll kind of, we'll blow through this, but don't, don't fall asleep as we go through it because man, I just personally, I love Paul's testimony because of that, where he just lived on the extreme carnal side of sin and how, man, if, if there's truth of a savior that can get anybody out of a life of sin and just this this loving living for Christ and the love in that it's Paul because of his testimony. And so here we're going to we're going to read about it. And so in verse 2 and when they heard that he spoke to them in the Hebrew language they 
kept silent all the more, all the more silent. Then he said, and you guys, I guess before I get into that too, like, I just want you to think about your testimonies. And I, th- I think about this because like knowing your testimony, yes, you were there, you know your testimony, right? Nobody can deny your testimony because they say, well, how do you know? You're like, well, I was there, it's my testimony. But we should know it. We should know the long version of it. And I heard a, a pastor say this, but I believe it. And, and I have an example why I, I believe it's a good idea. Is like the, the long version, obviously, if you have time and, and it's appropriate. And then you should also have like short versions of your testimony. You know, God's going to use people. We see it here that God uses people to bring people to him. And so you're, that's, why, that's why God allows us, one of, the, one of the reasons God allows us to stumble and fall and have a testimony to show how glorious and how great he is when we come to him. But knowing the short version is good as well because uh, we were at a pastor's conference two years ago, I think, and Rob Verdine, the pastor of Calvary um, Corvallis, he comes by one of the days we're there and he says to me, um, it's so funny, I love how he does this. It's with everything he, he says, usually it's like, he says, Joe, I just think about your testimony and your stories. Like, um, I think about maybe having you share. I don't know. Pray about it. It might be the Lord. It might not be. And he walks off. It might not. Yeah, he's like, it might be the Lord. It might not be. Just pray about it. And he walks off. And he, like, I love, I appreciate, about, I appreciate that about him because when he's like teaching in like these pastor conferences and the men's retreat, I've heard him teach. Like, he's just this guy that it's, I appreciate because he's like, he wants to be, he wants to obey the Lord in a second. And he knows that you, you're going to you just obey the Lord by falling forward. You might be falling down and it's wrong, but that's why he always says like, it might be the Lord, it might not be, but you know what? Let's, let's obey the Lord and see what happens. You know, and like, that's the kind of, that's the way I would, I admire him. I would like to live my life like that. So anyways, he, he says that to me and I'm like, oh man, like how nitty gritty do we got to get into this? Cause like, I'm barely a pastor at that time. And all the, everybody there has been pastors. Most people have been pastors for like 30 years. And I'm like, what does he want me to say? And does he want me to talk about the bad, bad stuff? Or does he want me to kind of filter it? Because there's all of it, right? And, uh, and so anyways, it was, I'm sure it was fine and trust the Lord with it. But I just, I really didn't have a, I didn't feel like it was just this great, like in a nutshell, my testimony. Um, I, again, I'll trust the Lord of that. It was, it, would, it was just how the Lord would have it. But it reminds me, when I read this, and Paul's going to use his testimony here, and his testimony is so powerful. Like we should know our testimony. A, a short version of it, a long version of it, different versions of it. So it's applicable, applicable, applicable. Always going to punch me. Always going to punch me. It's applicable in in all these different areas, so that you can re- the Lord can use you to reach them, and however He would use it. So let's get into it. Um, Paul goes on to say, I am indeed a Jew born in Tarsus of Cilicia, um, but brought up into the city at the feet of Gamaliel. You guys remember in Gamaliel, or who Gamaliel is in Acts chapter 5 where he gives, his, um, he gives some wisdom to the, to the courts. But Gamaliel is this well-known guy um, in, uh, in the Pharisees and in the history of of, of Jewish culture and Paul was brought up underneath him. And the only thing he had to say about Paul that wasn't good was, or was, that was a problem was that he couldn't get enough books for Paul to read as coming up under him. So Paul's this guy that is that 
just diligent for whatever he's doing, and now it's for the Lord. And so, but these all the Jews, they know who this Gamaliel guy is. So he's he's telling them, like, you know, I'm a Jew, I was born here, and I was brought up at the feet of Gamaliel, taught according to the strictness of our father's law, and was zealous toward God, as you all are today. This mob that is just zealous for um, the zealous for the law and when people are breaking it and how crazy it gets. Paul did the same thing with Stephen, right? Verse 4. As I, I persecuted this way to the death, the way, not in the way he did it, but the way, capital W, to the death, binding and delivering into prisons both men and women, as also the high priest bears me witness and all the council of the elders from whom also received letters to the brethren and went to Damascus to bring in the chains, bring in chains every, even those who were there in Jerusalem to be punished. Now it happened as I journeyed to, journeyed and came near Damascus at about noon, suddenly a great light from heaven shone around me. And I fell to the ground and heard a voice saying to me, Saul, Saul, why are you persecuting me? So I answered, Who are you, Lord? And he said to me, I am Jesus of Nazareth, whom you are persecuting. And those who were with me indeed saw the light and were afraid, but they did not hear the voice of him who spoke to me. So I said, What shall I do, Lord? And the Lord said to me, Arise and go into Damascus, and there you will be told all the things which appointed are appointed to you to do. And since I could not see for the glory of, of the, that light, being led by the hand of those who were with me, I came into Damascus. Then a certain Ananias, a, certain Ananias, a devout man according to the law, having a good testimony with all the Jews who dwelt there, came to me, and he stood and said to me, Brother Saul, receive your sight. And at that same hour I looked up at him, then he said, The God of our fathers has chosen you that you should know his will and see the just one and hear the voice of his mouth. For you will be his witnesses to all, the, all men of what you have seen and heard. And now, why are you waiting? Arise and be baptized and wash away your sins, calling on the name of the Lord. Now it happened when I returned to Jerusalem and was praying in the temple that I was in a trance and saw him saying to me, Make haste and get out of Jerusalem quickly, for they will not receive your testimony concerning me. So I said, Lord, <clears throat> they know that every synagogue I imprisoned and beat those who believe on you. And when the blood of, my, of your martyr Stephen was shed, I also was standing by consenting to his death and guarding the clothes of those who were killing him. Then he said to me, Depart, for I send you for I send you far from here to the Gentiles. And they and they listened to him until this word. And then they raised their voices and said, Away with such a fellow from the earth, for he is not fit to live. Then as they cried out and tore off their clothes and threw dust in the air, the commander ordered him to be brought into the barracks and said that he should be examined under scourging so that he might know why they shouted so against him. And as they bound him with thongs, Paul said to the centurion who stood by, 
Is it lawful for you to scourge a man who is a Roman and uncondemned? So we read this part where his testimony and where, where, um, where Jesus says, make haste and, and, and leave Jerusalem quickly. And, um, you know, they will not receive your testimony. And, and he says, he's like, yeah, but I did all these things. These people know me of doing these things. Um, we think about just walking in faith and doing what the Lord tells us, not knowing what's to come or maybe being scared of what we think might happen. Um, earlier this week, um, Adam sent me a text just randomly out of the blue. And it was, it just made me think of this, of just not knowing. Like the Lord says, says go or says do this. And you're like, well, yeah, but if I do that, then this will happen, this will happen, this will happen. Like, well, he said it, trust him and just and one foot in front of the other. And so anyways, um, Adam sent me this, this, um, this passage. It was super random, but um, we know that's how the Lord works. But it's the Habakkuk complaint. It's in Habakkuk chapter one, verse three through five. But it says, why do you make me, or why do you make me see iniquity? And why do you idly look at wrong? Destruction and violence are before me. Strife and contention arise so that the law is paralyzed and justice never goes forth. For the wicked surrounded the righteous, so justice goes forth perverting. Now the Lord answers. Look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. For I am doing work in your days that you would not believe if told. So it's, that's a good one for us to remember. I was talking to a, a buddy of mine that's in prison yesterday. And um, he's bummed out because he, he, it was an exciting thing. He got moved from Umatilla, Two Rivers. He got moved to Madras, so he's closer. And there's only, really, since he's been in prison, um, only a few people have really stayed friends with him and stayed close with him. And, and so it was just, it was exciting for us. You know, he's going to be right here close. We get to really spend time with him more than we do. And things just opened up from the COVID so people could go in and visit. Because in prison, it's like a Petri dish, right? Like they really locked it down and... And uh, he just gets over and he calls me yesterday and he's like, yeah, they just locked it down again. You know, he can't come in here. And he's just, he's bummed. And, and the Lord has had favor on him through being in a dark place over there. And it's like, I have tons of stories where the Lord is using him. He, he knows Jesus now and he loves the Lord. And, and the Lord has just had him a light in a dark, dark, dark place in prison. And it's just the, the um, there's even a point of a whole long story I won't tell you, but like where he was in front of the warden over there and, when he left, he was taught, He brought it back to the situation he was in. He brought it back to the Lord. The warden was crying when he left. I mean, amazing. He'll be out one of these days soon, and he'll be here at Calvary, and you guys will get to hear a lot of testimony. But he was down and out, and you're right, like COVID's back, and they shut it down, and there's an old couple, crazy you guys, an old couple that was on the, um, the jury that, the, the wife was on the jury that convicted him, um, got drunk and with a couple of buddies went and drove and wrecked, killed both his buddies. And then when he was younger, got in a fight, punched his buddy, killed him on accident. Just bad deal, right? So they brought up all this stuff in the, in the, in the, this, this situation. So made him out to look, which a lot of this stuff is bad, but made him out to look so bad. And this, this, this gal was on the jury and was like a part of sending him to prison. 
And then somehow the Lord worked in that. I can't remember exactly, but like she started to research it and look into it and realized it was, wasn't, yes, he was a wretched sinner, the same as Joe Papinal was exactly like he was my best friend growing up. We did all the same stuff, but it wasn't like they made it out to be. And um, now her and her husband are the, one of the few that go and visit him all the time. Wow. Right. So anyways, yesterday they come all the way, they're from Eugene or Corvallis, something. they come all the way over to visit because he got moved over here and they're like, no, we locked it down today. You can't. So he's bummed and he calls me, he's you know, upset and he's just like, gosh, you know, what do we do? And, and I just, I thought of this Habakkuk. And I thought of what we were teaching about where Jesus just told Paul to go, you know, like, and Paul's like, with, Paul's like not wrong for his thinking. He's like, they know what I did. I did it to them. And he's just like, but who's this guy? Paul was like a guy that just like, nope. God said it. He blinded me. He made it. Re- he made himself very real to me through my testimony. I'm just gonna do it. And so the same way in Habakkuk of, man, just like trust the Lord. There's a lot of crazy stuff going on right now. What are we gonna do? What's it gonna look like? Look. The, what did what did the Lord say in that? I'm gonna read it again. He's the Lord to answer to all these things when someone is crying out saying. Look at all this bad stuff that's going. Look at all the justices not not being just. And God says, look among the nations and see. Wonder and be astounded. Like he's giving encouragement. And he says, for I am doing a work in the days that you would not believe if I told you. Isn't some of the stuff like we can't get our minds around it? You know, like, you know, it's all about choice, right? Free choice, you know, whatever. Until giving a COVID shot. I'm not getting into the, the fight of this. I'm just saying, like, there's things we can't get our mind around. What does God say? He says, you wouldn't understand if I told you anyway. Just trust me. Lean on me. And that's what Paul did through all of this. It's just a, it's a very good word for us. Um, I'm going to wrap it up. I know I'm going long here. Um, so anyways, so he he has their attention. He's talking in his this whole testimony and he's talking until he says, um, until he said that word where he's telling them where the Lord told him he's going to send him to the Gentiles. And the second, it's like you almost see, in my mind, I don't know, I wasn't there, but in my mind, I just see in this testimony, there's no way it's not grabbing the attention of these Jews. And they're like, their hearts are starting to soften a little bit maybe. And they're just like, yeah, you know, and, it, and, the, and it's, the mob is silenced and they're listening and then till the second that he says the Gentiles, they go right back to their, their beliefs of their tradition. And their belief in the Gentiles was that there's, there's writings that prove that the, the Jews believed that the Gentiles um, were too, oh, I can't remember what word for it. Exactly. So pretty much the, the Gentiles were put on this earth to make hell hotter because they're going to burn in hell. Right? That's what they believe. The, the Gentiles believe. So their, their heart's starting to move and they're starting to change and it's starting to mold and soften. And then they hear that and it triggers it right back to, nope, I'm going back to the way I was and what I used to believe versus what God's doing. And it's just a bummer. It's a, it's a terrible thing. And we all feel that when we do that. I know we do. I do. I do a lot. I hear the Lord speaking to me and I think, well, no, but I think maybe my way's a little better, suits me a little bit better. And so... Um, so we just we just need prayer for that. We need to pray to lift each other up in those things. Just walking forward, you know, it goes on. 
that's the conclusion of it, you guys. But it's amazing. It goes on when we're talking like I mean, Guzik's commentary about the like Jesus of how it, this whole thing is just the same stuff that Jesus went through. When you look down in verse twenty four, where it says they that he should be taken to the barracks and be examined under scourging, it's the same thing Jesus got. It was with that that whip that had the bone or um, glass in the in the ends of the whips, where it would latch in and literally just rip muscle and and skin away from the body where most people would die or never recover to be the same from it. Well, Paul got to experience it just the same. I'll end it there, you guys. Foreman here. Um, let's pray. Father God, we pray this a lot. I pray this a lot, Lord, but I just want to continue to pray it. That is, as we're going through the book of Acts, it does seem a lot more like it's it's just bigger chunks of stories, Lord, and and the stories of um, of the history in which, obviously, that's what the Bible is for us, and we're thankful for that. But, Lord, I pray that, it, that as we read it and we go through it, that we would help us just turn that movie projector on, that we would just put ourselves there, seeing how it went, just so like as we watch a a sad movie it makes us cry lord that that would be the same the same idea the same thing as we as we go through your word and we go through the book of acts and we go through um the history of paul and the stories of what he's going through uh, that we would just be there we would be hearing the mob we would just the gnashing of the teeth and the hate and the carnality lord and maybe it would just remind us when we're frustrated with this covid stuff that's going on lord that we wouldn't we wouldn't jump to that and and like the pack of wolves, Lord, that we would we would just press into you and trust, like it said in Habakkuk, that we wouldn't even understand. We just need to know that to look and look for the glory and the amazing things that you are doing in the midst of it, God. That when we don't know and it doesn't seem right, that we would hear you and trust you and just step in faith, Lord. And as uh, Robert Dine would say, we would if we're gonna fall, we fall forward towards you, God. That that would be our mission and our mindset. We just thank you for Paul and just thank you that you allowed him to be such a sinner and that you saved him and brought him out of it, Lord. That's our, a lot of our stories. It really is makes it real for us, God, and for so many more out there, so many people here in Polina, Lord, that just the reality is live a carnal life that need you, Jesus. Lord, would you do a work in this community? Would you bring them in to hear your word, God? Use us. Show us, lead us how to step in faith when it's scary to go do a breakfast maybe at the rodeo or to preach at the rodeo or uh, bring church to the rodeo grounds where all the carnality can be. God, would you just give us boldness to go and invite people and to talk to people while we're there and and, uh, pray that you would just do a work here in Palina and in the area and in us, God. Grow us closer to you. We just pray these things in Jesus' name. Amen. 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 Amen.